sorry if I go up there. Oops. Awesome. Well, hello everyone. Wow. Oh, I'll just wait for that sound to come good. Get my thing in order. How are we all? All right? Awesome. I, I tell you what, it, it is such an honour to be here tonight. I, I just love the opportunity to come and speak, but especially tonight, because as Garth said, this is a last city night service, and um, I have absolutely enjoyed this journey. And in many ways, I've seen it as a bit of a training field for me. Who knows that it's easier to speak to a smaller group than a bigger group. And so I feel like I've been... Oh, we've still got a bit of feedback there. That's okay. Um, I feel like we're... In many ways, it's preparing me for something, like something more. And uh, anyone who's been to our morning service will know that our morning service is much bigger than this in terms of the amount of people that come. Um, but we've seen more salvations in the house, hunger to see service. And God has really renewed this, like given me a hunger to see souls saved. This is, to, to think of it like this, that... And I know, I've, oh, there I am, I'm back again. We have a, a privilege to partner with God and serve from doing the smallest thing like, I, I, I don't care what that might be. That could be cleaning the toilets, for example. If it's for God, though, how, much, how awesome is that? And we have to celebrate those moments. So whether you're out the front uh, or doing something else, serving the Lord, I think, is the highest calling, the, the best thing that we can do. And, and again, it is an honor to be here. So how are we all? Are we um, keeping cool, hot days, in these hot days? Yeah, you're doing all right? I see Helen's back with us. Can we just give... Um, I, I think Helen's smiling a little bit more because she's in many ways been prepared for this coming from the Philippines. I heard her say today that uh, it's, it's, the heat is better here because it's dry. Is, did I hear correctly? Yeah, I can just imagine. And it's great to have you here. Right? Tonight, I want to... I want to start by sharing with you a funny story, and this involves my good friend, Mel. Mel, can you give us a wave? Now, I, I just, I, I have to say something from the offset of this story, because in many ways, as the story sort of develops, it might be perceived as though I'm throwing Mel under the bus, okay? But there is a twist at the end, and you've got to wait for that. It's quite an amusing story. Um, Jasmine and my... Uh, Jasmine, Jasmine and I. Jasmine's at the back there. Give us a wave, honey. Awesome. Um, we, were, we were here a couple of months ago and we've got a couple of kids and for one reason or another I had to stay behind, which meant that she had to go earlier than I did because, you know, kids have to get to bed, school's the next day and all the rest of it. And so how cool is it to be in the house and to, from time to time, just, I don't know, shoulder tap someone for a, a favour? But what do you get? You get people who are more than willing to help out and to lend a hand. And on this occasion, it was Mel. I said, Mel, can I get a lift home? She said, yeah, sure. It was no hassle at all, not an inkling of a hassle. And that was really great because it meant that I could stay behind and do a few things and then head off. So she's, she's giving me a lift home and we get to the top end of Cranford Street. 
And I remember it distinctly because as I was talking and the key aspect of this is my mouth was open, the cabin filled with, how can I put this politely, an unholy stench. <laughs> the most foul smell I would say from that department, I think I've ever smelled. And I knew that it wasn't from me. And there's only one other person in this car. See, I told you it was gonna sound like I, I'm throwing Mel under the bus. Um, and I'm trying to continue like nothing's happened in the conversation, right? I'm just trying to get on with, get on with it, you know? And, but I tell you what, at one stage I had a gag reflex. <laughs> And at that point, all I wanted to do was say, Mel, I'm really, really sorry, but I actually have to get out of this vehicle <laughs> and breathe again, right? <laughs> and oh, at one stage, we look over each other and we get eye contact. And she's looking at me, I'm looking at her. And, um, but neither of us are saying anything, but fortunately I made it home all right. And next day I got up and Jasmine's sharing about her trip home. And remember, she left a little bit earlier than me. And she was traveling the same way along Cranford Street. She got to the top end and she's sharing this story with me. And she goes, all of a sudden, there was this smell that filled the car. And I thought it was one of the kids. <laughs> she knew it wasn't her. And she goes, is that one of you? And they were like, no, no, it's not. And she said, I don't know if they were telling me the truth or not. Anyway, at that moment, two things went through my mind. The first thing was really, really good. The second thing was really bad. The first thing that was really good was I realized that Mel didn't require urgent medical attention. <laughs> or, or dare I say, an exorcism. Um, <laughs> uh, but on the bad side, it suddenly dawned on me that Mel might think I do. <laughs> so anyway, I called her up and we had a really good laugh about it. It must have been, I don't know, some part of the swamp or something that we passed. But I tell you what, Proverbs chapter 17, 17 says this. <laughs> it says in Proverbs chapter 17, 17, it says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born in a time of adversity. And I tell you what, that was adversity itself. But <laughs> I knew that if Mel and I could make it through that, we could make it through anything. But... <laughs> Here's the deal, I didn't get home and start, I don't know, a Facebook post going, oh my goodness, that Mel, she really stinks. I, in fact, it went through my mind to get home and not even tell Jasmine about it. I predetermined to do that because what do we do? We're friends and we try to look past potential faults in the other person just to love them no matter what, as, as difficult as that might be at times. So tonight, I want to talk about friendship. I want to talk about the importance of friendship. But I also want to have a look at um, a blueprint of friendship, which I believe is very visible for us in the life of Jesus, but it's very rarely refer referenced. So I want, to, I want to have a look at this in our friendship circles. And if we get enough time, and there's so much I could say on this topic, I want to have a look at uh, the friendship that's found in Jesus. So just to address that first point, the, the importance of friendship, and maybe we just need to shift gears here a little bit. 
because I want to address something that I believe is very serious and it's, um, it's impacting the West, I believe, the Western culture that more so than any other. It's, it's contributing to depression rates and dare I say it's contributing to suicide rates as well. And I'm talking about loneliness, which really is the absence of friendship. Would you like me to change over to a hand mic? Would that be better? Okay, I'll switch over. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I want to talk about loneliness just for a moment. And which, as, as we know, loneliness is really just the absence of friendship. A 2018 study from the University of Auckland found that in the 30 days leading up to the study results, that 650,000 New Zealanders had suffered from loneliness in those 30 days. 650,000. And they've, they've realised the impact that loneliness is having on our health is the equivalent of smoking about uh, 15 cigarettes a day, which makes it uh, worse for you limiting your lifespan, it makes it worse than obesity. And we all know how damaging that can be to your health. We're made for community. We're made to be together. We're made to have friends and to be surrounded by people that will build us up to encourage us and support us and champion us rather than tear us down. You know, something, I was looking through Genesis the other day and something really interesting struck me about the creation account. Here's God creating the earth. And we get this, this term, this statement, six times. It says, God saw and it was good. God saw and it was good. As he's making things, God saw the light and it was good. God saw and it was good. And it gets to the end of the, that time and he looks, it says that he looks at everything he's made and it is very good. But there's one thing that is not good. It actually says not good. And it's the first, first reference we have in the whole Bible to anything that's not good. And you think about all the not good in the world. All the not good. How bad stuff can be. But it's this. And it's found in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. It says, of Adam, God says this, it is not good for man to be alone. Not good. God has made us for community and for friendship. Um, I had the pleasure of returning to my hometown a, a couple of years ago of Port Lincoln. Hands up if you know where Port Lincoln is. Well, you'd be forgiven for driving through it, blinking and missing it. No, not really. It's about 15,000 people. And it, I realised that it had been 17 years since I'd last been there, which is significant because I grew up there for 18 years. So the time that I'd been away was almost the amount of time in which I'd actually lived there. It's the place of my childhood and I have many great memories. So a couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of going back. <clears throat> And of course, I was really eager to see how the place had developed. You know, what, what would be the new things to see? I went back, saw a lot of family and friends and just had a great time. 
but it became very obvious very early on just how much the city had grown in terms of development. There was a lot of subdivisions and new houses and new estates and it was very obvious. I, I would estimate that the urban sprawl had grown by about 50%. But then what made that so interesting was that the city in those 17 years, of course it had grown the number of buildings, but the, the population itself had only grown by about a thousand. A thousand. And I went, well, hang on, this doesn't make sense. How can you have a city of about 15,000 grow by 50%, but it's only got 1,000 people more in it? Anyway, I did some digging, and what I came across is consistent with what we're seeing right here in New Zealand, and it's this. The latest census in New Zealand showed that 405,000 people now live alone, 405,000. And what's significant about that number is it's 36,000 more than the last census before that. There is this growing trend of, in, particularly in the West, of people moving away from you know, big households with four, five, six, or even six. In my childhood, I had six people in the house. And now what we're seeing is separation and people divided and living in isolation. They're actually calling New Zealand a nation of loners. And I would say the same applies to Australia. That household type, by the way, is the second most common household type um, behind two-person occupant. We need to connect again. We need to invest in friendships, in community. And I want to encourage you, perhaps you've come tonight and you're feeling a little bit lonely. And chances are there are people here tonight that are. A 2010 study done by the Statistics New Zealand found that up to one in three people feel lonely, like on a regular basis. One in three New Zealanders. So tonight, if you're feeling lonely, I want to encourage you. The church can be a friend to you. And when I say the church, I'm not referring to the four walls. I'm referring to the people in it. We want you to feel welcome, that this is a place that you can come and find fellowship and connect and belong. That it's not just a crowd of unfamiliar faces, but you know that person, you know their backstory, and they know you. And when you, need a help, if you, when you need a helping hand, they're there for you. And dare I say, should there be a bad smell, they're still there for you. <laughs> we need to reconnect. Sorry, I'm... <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Up higher? Would that help? I keep on going lower. Sorry about that. Okay. I just want to say this, for Jasmine and I, we've, we've really found that this, this church family has been a place where we, that has happened for us. I've been here in this church um, meeting here since August last year, and in that time I, I have found that just so many great people here, 
So tonight I want to talk about friendship, and in particular I want to talk about a blueprint for friendship. And when I say blueprint, I mean a circle of friends. Do you know what I mean? Like a model for friendship. What would, what would the ideal model sort of look like? Do you know what I mean? The people that you allow into your life, your friendship circles. And I believe there's a great um, demonstration of this found in Jesus, Jesus with his disciples. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 13, 20, it says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fool suffers harm. For wise, it has this uncanny... When we come together with people who can build us up, people who are wise, it has this uncanny way of rubbing off on us, doesn't it? We, we tend to take on their behaviours. And, um, and conversely, if that's true, conversely... The people who are fools, the people who are disruptive in our lives, if we allow, if we surround ourselves with people like that, it can actually tear us down. And we even have a term for it. We say of teenagers, oh, he was a good lad, but he fell into the wrong crowd. And you probably know people like that who have otherwise had good behaviour. Then something happened. They connected with someone. And then they started on to drugs and all sorts of bad activity. We need to be very selective as to who we allow into our lives. And I, this was really demonstrated for me when I would go into the prisons. I would go in there to help with the re rehabilitation of the inmates on a voluntary basis through the church. And um, I did that for a couple of years. I really, really enjoyed it. And I remember this inmate coming to me. And he was like a revolving door inmate. Or I guess you could say a career criminal. And he would get out and then it wouldn't be too long before he would re-offend. And this time round he had converted to Christianity. But he was concerned, you know, like would that pattern continue? Because he was coming up for parole. Was he going to get out and then re-offend? And he was like, what should I do? And yes, of course, I told him, you know, make sure you're, you're reading your Bible and all those great things. But one thing I did say to him is, get new friends. Get new friends. Because we become the company that we keep. I want to um, have a look at Jesus' example as we know that he had the 12 disciples. And this, I believe, is a really, really strong blueprint for us and our friendship. I'm going to rattle off uh, the names of the disciples just to refresh our memories. Andrew, Bartholomew, James, son of Alphaeus, Judas, Jude, Matthew, Matthias, Philip, Simon the Zealot, Thomas. But then, what do we see? He had the inner three. And they were John, James, son of Zebedee, and Peter. These were like his closest confidants. These were the people that saw the extra or heard the extra, that, that were part of his inner circle. And we do well to set like a sort of a similar foundation in our life. You know, think about your own friendship circles. Who would be like your kind of extended um, friendship circle? And then who are part, is part of your, say, inner three? You don't have to keep exact count, but hopefully you get the picture. It is a blueprint. It's a blueprint. It's not an exact rule to follow. But I believe there's a, there's a strength 
that comes in this. And what do we see from that position of strength? Jesus would then go out to the sinners, the people who were struggling in life, the drunkards, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. He used this, I believe, as a blueprint for us. If we're surrounded by the right people, then we can use it as a platform to go out to the world. And I realised this very, very early in my Christian walk. It looks something like this. At the time, I was living in a place called Bendigo in Victoria. And I just converted to Christianity and I my immediate friends were all Christian, which was great because I was on fire for God. This is awesome. And I had people who could really champion my faith, kind of help me along the way. But then conversely, I had some friends in Adelaide and I just a month or so before I converted, I'd been over to see them. And of course, there was a lot of drinking and all sorts of mischief that came with that, right? But then I converted but I had another trip coming up where I was going to go and see them. Well, I was like, man, I'm going to teach these guys about Jesus. You know, like I can convert all of them, right? (laughs) It's kind of a little bit foolish in a way because what happened? I got there and remember, I'm the only Christian of the group, right? And what do they want to do? They don't want to sit around talking about Jesus. They want to drink, and get smashed and go out on the town. I thought, well, I can be a Christian out on the town as well. So I'll just sort of reserve my drinking a little bit and I'll, you know, use this as an opportunity. Well, very well-intentioned. And so I go out with them and, of course, you know, one drink turns into two, but I still, I still managed to sort of hold them off. But it occurred to me, it occurred to me how futile this was when all of a sudden they wanted to go to a strip club. And I remember saying to him, look, I'm not going to a strip club. You know, that's, that's not who I am. And they were physically pulling me in. They gathered around and were pulling me in. And I was able to break free. But I realised this, it was this, that yes, I was able to rise above that on that occasion. But if I had made them my support base in my Christian walk, I would have quickly walked... I would have quickly fallen away. I would have taken on their worldview. I would have taken on their behaviours, their antics. I needed friends who could encourage me and build me up. And I've found that time and time again in the church. You know, coming from Australia and not really knowing anyone, I had to effectively start from fresh. And I, my whole friendship circle evolves around the church and it's not because I went I've got to find some good Christians in this house no it just so happens for all the bad things that you hear of Christians not be really being real Christians I've actually found the opposite I've found that Christians are people who support you who encourage you and really do build you up Maybe that's you tonight, like you're, you're hearing and you realise that maybe there's some people in your life who are not the best influence, who are maybe chipping away at you a little bit, undermining you and your faith. You can hear the truth, but maybe it feels like you can't shake that off. It's hard to take a step forward. And I want to encourage you 
tonight to take a step and to just, what have you got to lose? In fact, what you'll find is just, is such awesome friends. The Bible tells us to pursue good living, faithfulness, love and peace and to enjoy the companionship of those who call on the name of the Lord. Or in other words, to enjoy the companionship of other believers who can build you up and encourage you. Now there's so much more that I could say about this but we are unfortunately out of time. If the musicians could please come forward. talk about friendships without talking about the friendship that's found in Jesus. Jesus said this, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Well, who's Jesus' friends? I am. You are. And nothing exempts you from that. goes on to say in John, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not, shall not perish but have eternal life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save it through him. I'm wondering if we could just take a moment in, in this place and just, just close our eyes just for a couple of moments. Maybe you're a little bit distracted. Whatever it might be, maybe it's what are you going to eat afterwards or what are you going to do this week? Just place that on the shelf just for a moment. Let's bring it into focus and look at Jesus. Jesus, your friend. Jesus. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. And whoever lets him in, well, he'll come in and share a meal as friends. He's not going to come in and yell at you, curse you and condemn you. No, it says that he'll come in and share a meal as friends. How awesome is that? And that friendship is available to you tonight just while every head's bowed and every eye closed in just a few moments I'm going to invite you to accept Jesus into your heart and I'll get you to raise your hand but before we do I just want to say I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you this is between you and Jesus maybe you've still got questions that doesn't matter all that matters is accepting Jesus into your heart and he'll come in and he'll share that with you and you'll start this wonderful new life together by lifting your hand you're saying yes to Jesus and you want to start that journey just again while every eye's closed every head bowed if that's you tonight lift your hand high I'll acknowledge it yes I see that hand thank you yes 
I see that hand. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else tonight who wants to take that amazing journey of friendship with Jesus? I'm not going to linger too much longer. Maybe your heart's racing. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. God is good. Well, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How great you are. Your love, Lord, I feel it now. I feel it for every person here. I pray for the lonely. Pray for those people who maybe have an absence in their friend, of friends. I pray that they would find friendship, Lord, in the house and be encouraged and inspired and loved. But Lord, I pray for those people, especially that just raise their hand. I pray that this would be a real step wouldn't just be a superficial thing. I pray for a life-changing event in their heart, Lord, to take that step and to enjoy every minute of the journey, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.